0: Welcome back, guys, to another Opinion Overhaul podcast. I have Christian here today again. Hey. Today, we're going to be talking about the, this this whole refugee ban. It, it's been a big deal. There's been a lot that's happened. So let me catch you guys up. So we all know on the 27th of January, Trump signed this executive order. It was on a Friday. It was entitled Protecting the Nation from Terrorist Attacks by Foreign Nationals. It temporarily suspended uh, the refugee admissions program that Obama had put in place for 120 days and then banned um, citizens from entering the country from seven, uh, including Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen for a total of 90 days. Green card holders and uh, visa holders were allowed entry after the 29th. Um, On the 30th, Washington's attorney general began to sue Trump um, in federal court. And then on the third, the ban was officially suspended. On the ninth, they went back to court and the government failed to get the ban suspend, suspended. Um, Trump then tweets, "See you guys in court." All caps. Complete, all <laughs> caps. Completely typical. It, sad. <laughs> now there's really two directions from this point that he could go in, where he uh, either completely redoes the travel ban or he goes to Supreme Court. Now it looks like he's going to do both. So next mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. he's he says he's going to come out with a new ban. Right. But he still plans to go to Supreme Court. Now, I think the new ban that he's putting out is more of a uh, temporary implementation, just so that he has some sort of ban in place. I I don't really think it's a compromise between mm. him and the people. It's just I think the idea in the meantime.
1: A, the idea behind it, from what I've read, is to give it a more a stronger legal basis, so that it's not as easily challenged.
0: Yeah. Now, now there was tons of issues around it. It was a bad execution. Um, but today we're specifically going to talk about the legality and the implications of it on, on a world stage. Now, to start us off, Christian, the biggest issue with this whole ban, that in, in the eyes of most people, was that it was sort of linked to um, the Islamic faith. Now, right. do you think it's hard to distinguish between the Islamic faith and these countries? Because in the Middle East, it's sort of become indistinguishable, this idea of religion Religion has made the culture for instance the whole the entire of the West is based on the monotheistic Judaism and Christianity Middle East is primarily Islam and then you have Jainism and Hinduism and Buddhism So what you're
1: saying is that the even if you're not religious you have the religious um, I- ideology already within yeah. you Well
0: and 90 90% of Syrians are are, are, are Muslim. Muslim exactly right. so okay. do you think it becomes indistinguishable and no matter what Trump had done banning somebody from these countries it's it's going to have it's going to have backlash and there's going to be that whole connotation of a muslim ban
1: right so that's a that's a really good point that even if you're not filtering by religion per se that filtering by regions which which happen to be heavily religious or have been or even currently are you're still in effect barring people based off a certain ideology so even if it's not by religion but it's by region that happens to be religious you're barring the ideology regardless of what you believe or not so I do think that's a really good point uh, that, that feeds a lot into the, the legal implement, uh, the legal justification behind this ban. So uh, the way I see it is that while the president does have extremely powerful and far reaching power when it comes to immigration, uh, it is limited. It is limited in, in the cases when the ban or any potential action on, on the topic of immigration, is unconstitutional
0: so do you think it was an unconstitutional demand? right
1: so this is a really good interesting uh way of arguing the case so in my opinion the only way that you can say that this ban is not okay is if it's unconstitutional now w- w- what does it matter if it's unconstitutional or not? does the constitution only apply to us citizens or not how does that work now there's actually been court cases in the past that have extended the idea of what it means to be unconstitutional to not just us citizens but to anyone affected by the US government's power. I believe the court case was, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna butcher this name, but it's Bo Medin, Medin, Medin v. Bush. So this was a court case uh, a couple years back that essentially extended the rights of a US citizen, the the, the rights from the Bill of Rights and, and all the US Constitution onto anyone affected. And the court case arose because someone in Guantanamo Bay thought that he was not receiving due process, which is a violation of, I believe, the 14th Amendment. Um, and. It went all the way to the Supreme Court and the guy won. If you are not a US citizen, you still deserve uh, the protections that the US Constitution has. So the question now shifts to is it unconstitutional? Uh, from is it unconstitutional to what parts of the Constitution does it violate, if any at all. Now, the US Constitution explicitly states that you cannot discriminate on the basis of religion. So if you can find that this is a discriminate that this is discriminatory on the basis of religion, then you can say it's unconstitutional, and because the Constitution applies to non-citizens as well, based off of the precedents from this court case, then it means it is not legal.
0: Now, it, this is sort of where my question came in. Do you think that Islam has now become a culture? So, I, I know that the Constitution says this, and the 14th Amendment specifically says, I think they refer to citizens and persons. So it, it includes everyone, and you, you said he won that case, right?
1: The court case, regardless of the wording of the constitution, this court case from the Supreme Court establishes this as law of the land.
0: Okay, and, and anything really in the Supreme Court, it just becomes law in that right. In that it's
1: the branch of government.
0: So, do you think now that if somebody went to court today, they could argue this whole idea that Islam has become and that Islam is so integrated integrated into the into the Middle Eastern culture that it has become it's become not even a nationality; it's just become an identity. Mm. Do you think that any, anywhere in the Constitution does it refer to nationality that you that you're allowed to discriminate against that in such a way? Oof,
1: uh, I'm not hundred percent sure on that, I, so I couldn't answer on a factual okay. basis. But from I guess the principle the principle behind the question is can you discriminate at all? Yeah, and the answer okay. is a resounding no. You can't discriminate at all. Now, in the cases where there's national security on the line, you can discriminate against people like criminals or uh, suspected terrorists. And you can uh, throw these guys into prison and then give them due process, all that stuff. So you can discriminate in some degree. But you cannot discriminate on a level – on the level that this immigration ban is putting out there.
0: Okay. Now, uh, uh, I I, I get that. Now, if you completely throw the Constitution aside and because – we, everyone in America sort of thinks that the Constitution is infallible. Let's, let's for the sake of argument, let's say it is fallible. Do you think that, for instance, anybody... Okay, let, let me word it a different way. Modern terrorism, most people associate with having a Middle Eastern influence or an Islamic influence. Right. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. yeah. It, it, now, everyone's, so many people are going to complain and say that you, anybody can be a terrorist.
1: Yeah, actually, I think we should throw a caveat onto that terrorism is not exclusive to the Islamic faith, it's not exclusive to people of that region. There is far more terrorism coming from radical right-wing terrorism that's domestic. Hell, even a lot of the ISIS attacks that have happened, or people who have pledged allegiance to ISIS, were not people that were Im- that, that were immigrants from those regions or from any region, from, as a matter of fact. For example, in all of the cases where there's been uh, very um, what's the word? Important, I guess you could call it. Terrorist attacks in the past few years have been San Bernardino. One of them was an American citizen. The other one was a Pakistani citizen. This was not the, the Pakistan is not barred in uh, the New York and New Jersey explosions. These guys were born in Afghanistan. Afghanistan is not not barred. You can go the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting. American citizen, Boston bomber. These guys were uh, not from the region that that is banned. So the point I'm trying to make is that terrorism is not exclusive just to a the region that's banned. Be the Islamic faith, or C non U.S. citizens. However, if you want to find out wh- what is the common feature amongst all these uh, ISIS-related terrorist attacks, unfortunately, it's the Islamic faith.
0: Now, the and and most of the... San Bernardino, I think he was a uh, Pakistani, and all those places they, they did have some, even if it was marginal, some Middle Eastern influence, whether it was their heritage or whatever, because. Now, now, even if, you, if you, even if you dismiss that, if you go up to some random person in America, and ask them name a terrorist, they're gonna, they're going to name some some person with the Islamic faith that is the. Or if you set if you give their idea per- of a terrorist yeah. is the Islamic. If terrorist. you give the, if you give a person a lineup and one guy's wearing a turban. Most of the time, they're going to pick the guy with the turban that looks like he's from the Middle East. Yeah, which
1: one do they... If you ask them who do you think's a terrorist, it's going to be the most. We
0: hate stereotypes, but it's just human nature. A lot of people do it. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's a thing people do. Now, from that, this whole idea of the refugee ban and this uh, extreme vetting, if you could tell the person that was going to attack your family, blow up your friends, if the one feature that they could have, you could distinguish... Would you vet those people more? Let, okay, let me let me put it in a different light. You, you know where I'm sort of going with this? If you were on the street and you were in Detroit and you saw somebody with a red handkerchief hanging out of their back pocket and it was red, mm-hmm. would you be more likely to run away from them? Yeah, you think he's a blood. Do, would you call the police on them? Well, if there was a policeman over, would you flag him down?
1: I mean, if there was an attack, yeah, I'd say it's, that's or, the guy or that's like... Or if you felt in
0: it. danger, would you call the police if you were walking down the street at night and <sighs> there was a bunch of them following you, or... Yeah, yeah, okay, in
1: the case where they're following me, but but I think what you're getting at here is that the common characteristic amongst all these uh, Middle Eastern terrorists is the Islamic faith.
0: Uh, no, I'm saying a turban, for, for, for instance, just right, one...
1: But, okay, so features of the Islamic faith.
0: I'm saying if some guy walks into it with a turban... Now... That's pretty pretty close to the Islamic faith. It it, it doesn't exactly mean the Middle East. I mean, t- tons of North Africa, they still wear turbans. It's still Islam. I, I think we sort of more targeted the Middle East, even though he's sort of thrown in Somalia and Libya into the mix in his ban. I'm just saying, if you could discern... I, I know it's like something like 1.3, 1.6 billion people in the world are Muslim, mm-hmm. but if, if it was... Uh, more likely that one of those 1.6 billion would be Muslims were be were to be terrorists, would do you think they should be vetted more whether it's constitutional or not from your perspective what Listen, do you think? I
1: think that if you if you want to change how we vet for immigrants or visa holders or refugees and you want to say, hey, take a look, take an extra look at people from this region. fine. that's I, I see. No problem with that. It's like if you're at an airport and you see an old lady walking by, you're not going to pay extra attention to her because she's statistically and realistically and pragmatically not going to be the one to to put your lives in danger. So if you want to, if you want to say, hey, uh, whatever government organization is in charge of the vetting process, pay more attention to people coming from Syria. Absolutely, that's just a common sense, pragmatic approach. But once you start barring people from those regions, that's not okay. And, and, but but from a strictly legal perspective, because I want to get the legality of this down, the only way that you can, the circumstances that would have to be met for this ban to be called illegal are primarily if you find it's unconstitutional. And what would make it unconstitutional if it bars against a certain religion in this particular case? Does it bar against a certain religion? That's the key question. I Something, don't think it does. But he, but here's here's the perspective I'm taking on this. Somewhere upwards of 80% of all Muslim migrants come from these regions. So he is barring, Trump is barring roughly 80% of Muslim migrants. So he's a clear target on the Muslim uh, uh, faith, Muslim grouping at least. Uh,
0: I I, I have to disagree with you here. I I feel that out of these seven countries, only... And out of the 1.3 billion Muslims, I think it's only like 15% of the entire Muslim population is being affected. Think about it. You have to think of all of Malaysia. There's North Africa. Some of North Africa. But the thing is, you, if, just
1: because you're not barring all the Muslims does not mean you're you're not trying to ban Muslims in general. Because here's the thing. You could say there's a billion Muslims out there, but let's say all of the Muslims that come into the country come from, you know, these 10 countries, Right. If you start barring those 10 countries, you're effectively barring all the countries that send Muslims into your borders. So you're barring all Muslims that enter into your borders, or at least the vast majority. So you can say, yeah, a billion of of Muslims come from region X, and we're only barring region Y. But region Y is where all the Muslims who enter the country come from. Then you're barring
0: Muslims. The only evidence I've even seen for this... Nowhere in the actual ban does it say anything. I don't think it mentions religion even once.
1: No, it does, actually. This is a really interesting point. The, the uh, executive order explicitly says that they are going to, and I quote, prioritize refugee claims made by individuals on the basis of religious-based persecution, provided that the religion of the individual is a minority religion in the region. Now, it goes without saying that the Seven Nations banned are Muslim-majority. Which means, based off of the wording of this executive order, the minorities, i.e., the non-Muslim uh, member the non-Muslim individuals who want to claim refugee status, get priority. So you are de facto discriminating based off of
0: faith. So you're saying a Christian is given priority yes. to be let into the U.S. Yes,
1: it says that not only in not Christian, it says minority, but minority. Is this an amendment
0: Christian. to his ban, or is it actually no? Thing? It's
1: in the actual executive order itself.
0: Hmm.
1: Right. So, and on top of even if it wasn't, you have a very strong case to prove the intention behind the law is motivated by uh, the intent to ban Muslims because of what Trump has said in the past. He sent in an interview with I forget who, uh, might been CNN or Fox or one of the, one of the cable or news organizations that he fully intends to give priority to Christian uh, people of the, of the I, Christian I faith. I did
0: see that and that that's his one mistake is where if if you leave one little tiny crack in this whole thing the whole thing can fall down and he he did leave that crack but i i, I can't see in any way how anyone could think that Trump's intention is to ban muslims if he wanted to ban as you? many muslims as possible he could he could have swept the entire middle east out of the picture he could have just no, but you don't have
1: to. You don't have to ban all of the Muslim countries to effectively ban all of Muslim why immigration. Didn't
0: he, why didn't he ban, ban Afghanistan,
1: Nigeria? Okay, why he didn't ban Afghanistan and uh, Pakistan and uh, Saudi Arabia is beyond me. Saudi Arabia? There is, I heard reports from the Washington Post that he has connections in at least pac- business ties in at least Pakistan and Saudi Arabia. I don't know about Afghanistan, so that's questionable. But... The fact of the matter is, you do not have to ban all fifty plus Muslim majority countries to ban eighty per eighty plus percent of all the Muslims who enter into the countries. So if, into the United States. So if all of the Muslims, and of course it's not all; it's like eighty plus percent. If most of the Muslims that enter into the states come from a, a select region of let's call it ten countries, because we're gonna throw in Afghanistan on that list, etc. If the majority of Muslims come from those ten countries that that uh, entry into the United States come from those 10 countries and you ban those 10 countries from sending people over then you are banning muslim immigration
0: what's wrong with that argument is really that you're not prevent you're not even number one the whole thing's temporary he's done it into this case so that the government can grab control of the immigration thing obama it it's up to the government okay let me let me let me frame it like this the government has the right Constrict immigration.
1: Yeah, that's Obama's
0: done it. Yes. Bush has done it.
1: Everyone has done We've it. We've had immigration quotas since the nineteen twenties. Oh, oh, oh,
0: Obama 90%. reduced immigration from I think Iran. I think it was by close to seventy percent mm. um, back in I think it was twenty twelve. And if Trump's deciding to constrict that all the way, I don't see the issue with that. That that one little section of the the uh, executive order. Be, executive order. I do see that's a huge chink in the argument armor and a huge chink in this argument. But uh, if he wanted to ban Muslims, he could have put it straight through a Muslim test. I don't know how you would do that. And, and that would be blatantly a ban of the Muslims. If he, if he really wanted to stop terrorism in the sense of banning Muslims, there's hundreds of different ways he could have done it. Right, there's more he direct could, he is what you're getting at. Exactly. He, he, and <clears throat> if that was the case, we would be in a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Trump could go around swooping up yeah. mu- Muslim communities and just grabbing people off the street, yeah. and maybe maybe he's done it in such a way where it's it's so slight the 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 idea of a Muslim ban that he he can get away with it. Maybe that's the only way he can get away with it. I, I can see your side on that.
1: See, here's where I'm taking issue. I get the argument that. If you wanted to ban Muslims, there is far more direct routes of doing it. You could somehow devise a completely impractical test that would that would test for your Muslim faith, or you could ban all Muslim countries. But that's very on the nose. That's clear. This is a Muslim ban, right? Trump's not stupid. If you frame this as a national security issue, then there's no justification for banning 50 plus countries that are no threat to us. So if he goes, wait, hold on a second. If I just ban these seven. No one's going to question my motives as much as, if they, were, as, as, much as they would if I were to ban 50-plus countries that happen to all be Muslim, majority. If I just ban these seven countries, I can claim this as a national security issue. And all of a sudden, it looks far more feasible. But the, the seven-country ban is a way of banning uh, the majority of Muslim immigration from our, from, uh, into the country of the United States, while also appearing to be a ban for the purpose of national security rather than for the purpose
0: of barring Muslims now I, I can see where you're coming from on that if Trump was really intentional I, I think he's trying to protect the people I I disagree with a lot of his stuff but I, I I honestly think that he's taking this approach to help the people and and his whole his whole perspective on it is if one of those million so refugees that The Obama administration, the Bush administration, Reagan have let in since then. If one of those people has committed a terrorist attack, they've done wrong. The president has done wrong by the American people. Now, I think that there is a high potential for that to be the case. And we're saying Trump's smart, ISIS is smart. Mm -hmm. ISIS has single handedly started from nothing to two years become this worldwide terrorist organization right worth billions of dollars they've they've taken they oil fields, they've created, they've tanks they've created the their own that. economy it's, right. it, <laughs>
1: Slave based economy, but <laughs> now no again they're smart they can they can infiltrate the system if and, they
0: and 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 they be- will and now I, I I'm I i do not think they're recruiting white guys out the yin-yang I'm sure there's some white guys right. there I'm sure there's some black guys there and don't get me wrong I love people from the Middle East. We, we got a lot of them here at McGill. They are the coolest people. Yeah, the, 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 they make great food. Their parents make great, great food. Oh <laughs> Boostons. That is the best. <laughs> shout, um, out Bustans. shout out to Boostons, Sponsor the podcast. Um, so it's not a, my, my, saying my, it's
1: not a slight against Muslims. It's a, It's a. He truly believes that this is for the sake of... He wants sake, to everybody.
0: protect the gay people, the lesbian people, the... The uh, Muslims that are legally in our country. He wants
1: to protect America. He wants he
0: at. he wants to protect America. Okay. I don't think he has yeah. a drop of racism in him. In pers- in, in maybe some of the old timey stuff, he might not. He might disagree with black people he's, a little he's bit. He's
1: grandparent racist, is what you're I,
0: saying. He's grandparent racist, but and I'm sure my grandparents are a little oh, racist. Oh, my
1: grandparents are super racist, but it's like. You can't it's, really hold it against And
0: it's them. not aggravated racism at this point. They've, they've been exposed to this mm-hmm. one. And the, the guy is 70 years old. He's, he's the oldest president yeah, he's to be elected. Wow.
1: Um, but what you're, it sounds like what you're getting at is that it's not racially motivated. It's not. It's, it's it's
0: not, not uh, if it's not if you go to court, you can testify that this guy is not a racist by any means, especially directed towards Muslims. This is entirely motivated by helping the American people, I don't think it has an ounce of racism, an ounce of. If it was safe, I think the guy would want as many Syrians in this country as possible. Okay,
1: I get, I get what you're getting. At. I know get what you're getting at. Now, there's a, there's a couple of issues. The first is he has repeatedly campaigned on a Muslim ban. So his intent. He has is right used there. the
0: word Muslim ban. I'll, I'll give you that. Multiple
1: times. I mean, the intention is clear. Now, you're submitting that essentially. He's not doing this on a basis of, of racism. He's not a racist
0: guy. And it is anyway. an executive order. It's directed specifically at him. It's it's by the Trump administration the executive order is carried out. Right. So you can make the argument specifically in, in ties to Trump, right? No, no,
1: that's what I'm saying. Okay, we're yeah. talking about Trump here. We're not talking about an administration. Yeah. We're talking about okay. the man. Um, he, so not only has he campaigned on this being a, a Muslim ban in the past, but the argument that he's not racist and he's not, he doesn't have anything against Muslims, and his priority is national security, that's fine, I can accept that. I mean, he said some extremely questionable things in the past. Extremely questionable things. But, where I take issue is, even if his motivation is purely national security-based, his interest is solely in protecting the American people, if the means at which you do it are not only illegal, like I believe they are, but immoral, like we'll get to later, then that's where I take the issue. The second you cross those two boundaries, especially the latter, the immorality aspect, that's when you have. A, that's when I'll take a problem with it. Now you can say his motivation was national security based. Fine, I can accept that. You know, you can make a, a very reasonable case about that, or at least you cannot make a very strong case against it. Uh, but even if that was his intention, if the means at which he's trying to accomplish that are discriminatory and bar based off of religion or indirectly based off of religion, that's where I draw the line. That's where it's not okay.
0: Okay. So your thoughts summed up about the legal. Is this legal? Is the ban legal? Okay. Not not if it's right. right. Is it legal is it by legal? American standards? Okay. Let's, let's ignore the whole UN international standards. Okay.
1: All right. So is it legal? So my answer would be no. And the, the train of thought goes like this. It's not legal because it's not constitutional. It's not constitutional because it violates the 14th and 5th Amendment about due process and, and equal protection under the law. And this ban does not offer equal protection under the law and due process because... A, the, the Constitution applies to non-citizens, according to that court case we mentioned earlier, and B, these non-U.S. citizens, the people from the region, are, are not being given the, the, the protection of the Constitution because they are being barred based off of religion. How do I know they're being barred based off of religion? Because not only has he made his intention clear in the past, not only has he, about about this being a Muslim ban, not only has he said he was going to give priority to, to, to Christians, not only does the executive order state that he's giving priority to non-majority religions, which is basically everything but the Muslim religion, uh, but from a purely pragmatic statistical perspective, it bars 80% plus of the Muslim refugees that enter into our country. So even if that wasn't his intention, the fact of the matter is it's unconstitutional because it discriminates based off of faith. and and. That is an issue because the Constitution, as we have said earlier, does apply to non-U.S. citizens, therefore it's illegal.
0: Now, my thoughts on the whole thing is that I think majorly the government is completely within its rights to do this. Now... Other than the fact that he has made his intentions clear before, he has called it a Muslim ban. He he once went straight out and just said, I want to ban all Muslims from entering the country. He specifically said that. And that's the chink in the armor. And that one thing that you said earlier about where they were specifically giving priority to Christians entering the country mm-hmm. from, those, from those countries. Now, if it weren't for those, I think the government's completely within its right. We've done this so many times before. We've done deportation. Now, there's not specific historical evidence on the whole whether or not immigration from the middle east to the us is a good thing and it would cause irreparable harm to us but i think the government's completely within its rights to constrict the flow and if, if that's completely constrict the flow of refugees i think they're still completely within its rights whether that's immoral or not we'll get to that right now now christian the le- we can because we're looking at this objectively, we can completely separate whether it's legal or not and whether it's moral or not. Right. Now, it sort of gets into the questions before where I had, where I was talking about uh, your personal perspective on it. What, socially, how do you feel, do you feel that the argument that they're carrying in court that this is calling, causing irreparable harm to the communities of America and international communities, do you think that's a valid point?
1: So, I think this goes to a lot of what European nations were... A lot of populist parties within European nations were saying about accepting refugees in general, which is, if you accept far too many of these refugees, their culture is not compatible with ours. It destroys our culture. It does not mingle with ours. They are not assimilating. Therefore, we should not let in so many people. That sounds very xenophobic, very nationalist, but I have to admit, I do understand a little bit and agree with at least some portion of what they're saying. I don't think you should accept millions upon millions upon millions of immigrants because you do have to keep into consideration that sometimes cultures are just not compatible. If you come from a, a region that is oppressive towards women, that that supports male dominance, that is completely uh, intolerant of other religions, and you let and you let people of that culture—not saying all of them are necessarily like that—but you let people who generally come from a culture that supports those values into a liberal democracy, liberal in the classical sense, in that we we preach tolerance or, or toleration and uh equality and you know be- whatever your your gender your sex whatever if you let a lot of people with incompatible cultures into a culture that preaches the opposite you will have issues But that does not mean you should bar all of them. It means you should do it within moderation.
0: Now, how how can you put a number on that, though? What what is the number that you can say where it's – and over a bunch of years, it will accumulate. Even if you say, I'm going to let 5,000 in right now, 50 years from now, (laughs) that that number is going to be huge. And it's not like they come to the country and then leave where it's like – uh, a lot of Mexican immigration right. were sort of cyclical. Right, 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 right. Um, if you're bringing a refugee over, it's not like you're going to keep them there until the region stabilizes, which it will never be in the foreseeable future. Right, okay. They're going to be staying in America. Now, I, I, I every single person from that region that I've met, they've been the coolest people, and they seem to assimilate perfectly into our culture. Now, Canada has a more accepting culture. I'm sure it would be different if you like went to a high school in Alabama or something. Right, yeah, for sure. um, And then. Let's say if somebody was specifically bullied for their religion and or ethnicity, which I'm sure in Alabama could happen, yeah, screw Alabama. <laughs> okay, it will happen <laughs> to, to some degree or another. I can see some hatred being built up there and right. that assimilation wouldn't really happen. It, everything that I've seen in Canada has worked pretty well so far. Now, if you get those proportions and you scale them up entirely, mm-hmm. I, I, I can see that issue arising. But... Drawing a line. That's where this whole thing is. Yeah, is there a line you can even draw? Yeah. Because wh- when does it become moral right. to draw the line? Right.
1: Okay. I see. I think it becomes moral if if you can make a strong argument that Western liberal democracy preaches strong values, which are you know, there's a two fundamental pillars of a Western democracy, which is freedom and equality, liberty and equality. Uh, all of those two. If you can make a strong case that those two values. Ought to be the values we have, they are the objectively correct, or at least some of the objectively correct values we should hold, and you have a the potential to ruin those values by letting in far too many immigrants, then I can say you can morally draw the line at the point where it no longer puts those two pillars of freedom and equality in jeopardy. Now, how do you draw that line? And I think the answer is primarily look to the past. The US has let in millions of immigrants in the past. I mean look at wait.
0: but they've been from similar cultures though it's it's not they speak different languages and stuff, but it's still sort of the Juda- Judaistic Catholic, Roman Catholic sort of uh, backbone that they've had. Now there's there's very little history. Mm on the immigration from the Middle East. The only thing that we've even seen about that is immigration to Europe, and that's in disastrously so far. Now, the influx is pretty high.
1: I'm sorry, what happened? You're saying it, it has ended disastrously? Immigration from Europe to the States?
0: No, 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 no. From Syria into Europe. In Germany and everything. We can't agree on that?
1: I don't know. I don't think we can. I don't think it's been a disaster. I think this is a clear product of... Uh, the idea that it's been a disaster in these countries is a clear product of the media.
0: D- don't you think, though, that... They've fallen right into the trap that you that you've said that they haven't been able to draw that line where it's okay. You were talking earlier about how they've assimilated and and that their their things don't really match. Right, their mean, you see, don't you really see match.
1: issues coming up in Germany with you know uh, refugees are groping women and you know there's been reports of rape and stuff like that. Well, first I do think that is a clear parallel to the race issues in the United States, where I think it is far and beyond. Uh, Beyond reason, blown out of proportion, I can accept that there's there's some there's some issue there. So if you want to say, hey, we shouldn't be Germany, we shouldn't accept that many people, I'd be I'd say fine. You know, you're you're probably not that that far off the mark there. But how do you find the right mark? Uh, we we you, made, been... you made a great you made a great point. I have to admit, you've made a great point that saying all of the millions of immigrants we've accepted in the past, most of them have been from Western liberal democracies, and that is a great point. We've never had to. Well, we have, but I'll get to that later. We've never, in large part, had to deal with accepting millions of refugees from or millions of immigrants from non-Western liberal democracy uh, countries, but we have accepted many, many Chinese and Japanese immigrants.
0: But they're completely different. That that's Jainism, that's Buddhism. They, they're completely separate. I, I know, so you mean I know Islam that? is a monotheistic religion in the sense where we all sort of come from the same point, the Judaism, Christianity, and uh, Islam, but then there's that whole other branch of the Far East Asia that's been com- completely raised in a different in a different sector. And now in America, uh, the highest paid people per capita is the Chinese people. They're getting paid more than the average white person in the U.S. Right,
1: but, but I think to go, to go back, are you saying that looking towards the Chinese and Japanese immigration states is not a good reference because their culture, their cultural values, line up more with the Western liberal democracies than the Middle Eastern cultural values?
0: I don't think they. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think okay. they line up at all because there's no.
1: Wait, who doesn't line up at all?
0: That the that, that Islam and. Uh, East Asia are can be similar at
1: all, but I want to I want to make this clear for our listeners. You're saying that the the values of the Middle East, the Middle Eastern culture, yes, does not align with the United States or the Western liberal democracy values, right? Yes. And the second point is that Eastern like China and Japan and South Korea and all that, their values line up much more with Western liberal democracy values.
0: Exactly. India is okay. sort of a middle ground there. There there's some extreme aspects of the Indian culture that sort of align with Shia, Shia law. Sharia law. Sharia law. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I I can't, I I think they have to be separated.
1: Okay, I totally, yeah, no, that's a really great point, actually. And I think the point of this podcast is that I'm a little convinced in that we should not be looking towards previous quotas in the past, previous levels of immigration in the past for guidance on how we should set the quota in the future because A, the we only have two two ways of looking at this. We have the Western liberal democracies, they already line up with our values. And the second is you have Far Eastern Asian countries and their values while not exactly the same. In fact a lot of in a lot of aspects they're the opposite of our values. But not in regards to upholding liberty, equality, and all that stuff. So their values line up m- much more with with the values of the United States yeah. than people from the Middle East. Therefore, the argument goes: we should not accept that uh, levels of that. We should not accept similar levels of Muslim, uh, the re- the Muslim region, the the Middle East, essentially. Okay. We should not accept similar numbers from the Middle East because they their values are not the same. As they were in the past with the okay. with Germany and England and all that. Yeah, I I get that. You know, I'm mm-hmm. on board with that to be honest. Now, how do you draw the the line in the sand? Where's the demarcation? I think you start low and work your way up. Now, there's I so go,
0: experiment with it. I, I don't.
1: yes, I think you. So here's here's the way. This might be a little far. This this analogy, but after prohibition, the way that the U.S. government drove bootleggers out of business was that they had near zero tax on alcohol. So they undercut all the bootleggers. If they weren't undercutting them, at least you knew that the alcohol was coming from a legally certified uh, area where you can buy this alcohol and it's safe. And so because of the combination of the cheap price and the, the, the safety behind it, bootleggers were wiped out. And so after they were wiped out, they slowly raised the tax to where we have it now. Now, what I'm saying is the analogy is start low and work your way up. No, you're not driving bootleggers out of business, so that's where the analogy falls apart. But what I'm trying to get at is you can start at a lower level and work your way up slowly. But the important point to draw is that you're not starting at zero.
0: Okay. Well, I guess if you start at zero, there's there's no way really to begin because you don't really have a comparison. Because the whole point you're trying to make is, is you start really small, you work your way up until you reach a certain point that you, that you find a good point where the... The morale, the if you look at it from an outside perspective, you're keeping America safe, and you're keeping America culture and traditions intact, while while still helping and uh, making the people that are immigrating's their lives better. They're you're really allowing bad. them to immigrate, yeah. so you're saying you need to draw the line between keeping America safe right. and allowing immigrants that have a poor poor situation in their in their country that they're immigrating right, from, right? right. And I, I can come on board with that. So, you start small, you work big. Therefore, you're eliminating the whole issue of risk. So, you are uh, and what I mean is you're starting small, working big, and you see where the sweet spot is. If you just started big, there'd be a lot of risk there. You wouldn't you, you wouldn't know. We have, no have reversible. So, I I I I can get on board with that. You start small, you work your way up big. I can get on board now, with I that. Now, I think a really
1: key factor to mention here is the sole, the single best way to make sure that people of different cultures assimilate, and again this is predicated on the fact that we think Western democracy has the best, or at least a desirable culture, you know, things that, individuality, liberty, freedom all that stuff, predicated on the fact that we want to maximize those values the best way to get people of different potentially harmful values to assimilate to values that we hold, or at least close enough, you know, diversity has its place, but within reason, of course the best way to get these diverse opinions to not be radical but to be within the realm of reason is education so the goal should be when you have an immigrant or a refugee coming in and they have kids or they're under the age of 18 you have to make it a clear goal that the 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 idea the best way to get these guys to swim in your culture the thing that we should be focusing on probably the most is getting these guys educated
0: in what way and make so sure kids, they can speak English or
1: I'm, I'm not even concerned about the so people are like you go, saying
0: educate the refugees or educate the population that these people no, are no, okay. the
1: pop the, the 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 refugees make sure that the kids coming in this country are thrown in a great school system
0: okay okay so i I can see what you're saying like the 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 whole issue why black culture is the latest is today is because we started them off in a rut where slavery was a thing and no one helped them out right 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 we, we don't want to create a minority that sort of Sucking off. We we want them to assimilate and be be a thriving part of our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I I can get on board with that. To sum up, to sum this up, is immigration specifically from the Middle East a good thing or a bad thing?
1: Go. Good thing or a bad thing? Good or bad in in relative to what? I think is the important question. Relative to the United States, I, I would no no, no they're, they're two view, separate
0: world view. You, you can. You, you well, if you want to do
1: it, be like a utilitarian and, and total up all the good and maximize that. I mean, you can do it, but let's be a little pragmatic about it. I think you have to do it in in regards to what perspective, to whom is the good being distributed. And so I think you can take two perspectives. First is in regards to the United States, which is, I think, the, the question mo- more people would be interested in having answered. I would say... That's a tough question to answer. It's very why I lean more towards yes because we have we have many academics that are currently barred because of this immigration ban that cannot come to the country. Or I fear, for example, I have a lot of Pakistani friends who think that their country is going to be next, and they very may well be. We don't know what Trump's going to do next. He said he might add add to the list a couple of countries. He's going to do his second immigration ban that he's been talking about for a couple of days now. We don't know. So in regards to how does the U.S. benefit? The U.S. does benefit from immigration because the you look at academia, you look at uh, unskilled labor on both sides, you know, the high and the lows of of educational work, work based on education that is, and they're not filled with Americans. Go to any academic institution in the states, and your your professor is probably from India. Your professor is probably from China. The most brilliant minds tend to be the immigrants, that and they come here for for because we have the money and all that. But the fact of the matter is the the U.S. benefits dramatically from immigrants. Now, on the on the low level, um, like the low skill level, uh, the who the, the, the people doing the farm work and and the, the manual labor, those tend to be the immigrants too. Now, they do tend to be from Latin America and Mexico, but the immigrants from the Islamic region, the Middle East, are still doing, in a large part, the the manual labor with like the I don't want to say low class labor, but I think you know what I'm getting when I when I imply that they. Definitely add tremendously to the economy, but the downside is you have to pay for these for these schooling systems. You have you have these you uh, have to provide services and benefits to to all these new immigrants, and that is a downside from a objective perspective. That is a downside, but I do think the the gains outweigh the the, de- the detriment. Now, from the immigrants' perspective, obviously it's a good thing, but it's more than that because these, at least in regards to Syria, these are refugees. You can't tell me that, yeah, the government has a priority, has an obligation or a duty to to prioritize its citizens. Yeah, I get that to a large degree, but at the same time, we as people, as human beings have a duty and a priority to help out others, especially when we're in the position to do so, which the states by large, by far, is the best country uh, that can help out people that are less fortunate. And when we're talking less fortunate, I'm not, I'm not talking someone from Ethiopia who barely has much... De- I'm talking people in a war-torn region who their ha- their homes were collapsed, their, you know, their, their daughters are kidnapped by ISIS, their, their son was shot in front of them and potentially crucified, and they're trying to flee Aleppo, but ISIS is boxing them. Those are the kinds of people that we're talking about here. And if you have the ability to help them out, at least in a small part, then you ought to. And I get that there are some detriments, you have to pay for that. Who's paying for it? Do we have all the room? Can we accept that many people? No, we can't accept so many people. No, we can't pay for that many people, but we can pay for some. So the the notion that we should ban indefinitely all refugees from Syria is a human rights violation in my book. So is it immoral? Yes. Is there some degree of truth in the fact that we should limit it? Yes. But there's a compromise to be made, and we should start out relatively small, and work our way up but we should start at a non-zero point
0: okay uh, I agree but I disagree <laughs> now here's my take on the whole thing I have no issue with people coming to our country I say are oh, I'm a Canadian but, <laughs> but I have absolutely no issue with it and, and I have no issue with paying a little more tax so that these people can get a good education get good housing I have no issue with that there's so many stories where these people become doctors save lives these are great people. These are people that have gone through so much in life, and I have no issue with helping them out. Now, that does not mean that I disagree with Trump. Because, even though Trump said worldwide Muslim ban, he I don't think the guy, by any means, specifically hates Muslims. I think he more used that to his advantage to get a certain crowd in the U.S. to agree with him. The guy's not an idiot. He knows that if he went out and said that, he would be on every news station, everyone would listen to him, and a lot of people in America would agree with him. Now, if this ban, let's say, was an indefinite ban, I would have an issue with it because that, that's just completely shutting us off to the world. And I think that you can assimilate the, the idea of a, Amer, an American life and a an, uh, person from Syria. Now, I think those, those can be the exact same thing. A person in America should want to help somebody on the outside. But what Trump's done, he's made a temporary ban because the entire world's gone up in flames in the past two years. Two years ago, ISIS, ISIS was this little small thing and then Obama decided to uh, completely t- pull out from the Middle East and then they were created in the vacuum. This ban, the safest way to make more people able to immigrate to the US in the future is to not rush to it. If you take your time and objectively look at what the issue is and take people in slowly and gradually when you're ready so that there isn't ISIS infiltrating the US by doing that you're making sure that American lives are safe but the also the middle the people coming from the Middle East are safe as well because more people can come to the US if every single American thinks of a person in this situation as a victim now we can't think of them as a victim, as if, if they come to America, we pay extra taxes, they come and somebody blows themselves up, mm-hmm. and a bunch of people with them. We can't think like that. The way Trump's doing it is, is he's protected the identity of a Muslim. He's he's made it still possible for a Muslim to come to the U.S. and that they are thought of highly. Now, I'm sort of getting off track here, but what I'm trying to say is is that the best way to do it is slowly so that in the future immigration is looked greatly upon so back in the day immigration from ireland and italy everyone loved it uh, let's let, let, now in the short term they didn't like it in the long term in let's retrospect, say too, in we were advanced, retrospect we're in retrospect
1: it's that yeah absolutely not the I, want, I want i want because-
0: i want my great great-grandchildren to look on this and think that immigration was a good thing. Right. I don't want them to go back and look on it and be like, that was the worst thing America's ever done. By making it a temporary ban and looking at it objectively, Trump is protecting that idea.
1: Okay. I mean, see, here's where I take issue. Because the whole idea of this being a a something we have to take very slowly because it's a matter of national security is complete BS, honestly. I mean... The vetting process for refugees and even visa applicants is already insane. the The average process is somewhere between twelve and I think eighteen months. It is incredibly uh, arduous. It is very difficult to get through. In fact, one my my old roommate who was from Pakistan said his one of his friends who was who had a financial job, it might have been in Boston or, or New York. I don't remember, had a financial job lined up, and so she applied for a visa. She was rejected the visa because. Her dad died the previous year, and they thought that because she was so ready to leave a year after her father's death, that she was, did not have enough ties to the, 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 her home country of Pakistan and therefore should not have the privilege of going abroad.
0: Okay, that's despicable. No, is, no one can disagree with that. Right, but,
1: and of course, this is an anecdote, but what I'm trying to get at is the process of vetting is incredibly, incredibly hard to get through. Right, no one from ISIS wants to do it. The more effective thing for ISIS to do is to convince homebound uh, U.S. citizens from doing it. And we've seen there have been plenty of attacks in the past. Right, uh, San Bernardino, uh, the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting, where Boston, where
0: it's homegrown.
1: Uh, right, and they're all they're all U.S. They're homegrown. A lot of them U.S. citizens. So the idea that you're protecting the country by this grievous violation of human rights is this, its totally wrong. In fact. There is this one study that if, let's see if I can get this right from UNC Chapel Hill that showed, and it was recent, I believe, in 2016, maybe 17, that only 46 Muslim Americans were linked to violent extremism at home or abroad in 2016. The total Muslim population is 3.3 million in the states. Of all of those, only 54 lives were lost, and 49 of them came from the Orlando nightclub pulse shooting, right? So, one terrorist attack led to 49. The rest of the rest of the five lives lost in in the previous year were from all Muslim terrorism put together, and these are U.S. citizens as well. So the idea—or I'm sorry, these are not U.S. citizens—the idea that we're somehow saving thousands or millions of lives by by trying to really hunker down on on potential terrorism is complete BS. I mean, while the the statistic quote in the media that there's been zero attacks from uh, immigrants or yeah, refugees no, that's, false. that's that's wrong false. there was a, in, in uh, 20, September of 2016 a Somali man from Somalia uh, Somalia which is a country banned by the Trump executive yeah. order killed or uh, I'm sorry knifed 10 people in Minnesota. so there's been attacks there's been successful attacks. and the thing that the media is not paying attention to is how many potential failed or thought it or um, what's the word I'm looking for attacks that were foiled by the police or or the US government okay. We're not looking at that number. So while there are definitely risks, it's the amount of lives on the line is somewhere – it's a couple dozen.
0: My, my end perspective on the whole thing is, is that it's better to be open and let people in than not to. I think that the whole I, – I agree with you on this idea that the media is sort of completely blown it out of proportion. I do think that no American's lives should be lost from immigration. I think that should be a fact. And that immigration, immigration should not lead to the loss of an American. No, listen. That's it's, it's a
1: disproportionate response. You are, because this is an indefinite ban on Syrian refugees, right? The other other ones are I think ninety day bans on the, the other six countries. It's an indefinite ban on the country that needs help the most, because your justification is that uh, these individuals could potentially kill multiple American lives. And while I get you should not tolerate a single life lost, I mean. If you're talking about from a, a moral perspective, I don't think you can justify letting thousands or even tens of thousands, maybe even millions or definitely millions of of lives in Syria to be lost because you want to protect 10 American lives, potentially, potentially, okay. right? So uh, what if you want to focus on national security, you want to focus on protecting U.S. citizens' lives, you focus on domestic terrorism. You focus on, on gun violence. Gun violence has somewhere of like, what is it? For every one death from terrorism, a US citizen death from terrorism, there's a thousand plus deaths from firearms. Are you kidding me? And you want to focus on the terrorism? You want to use the fear mongering to divide the country, to vilify the other, and to allow millions of refugees to die in the process, all because you you think the risk of, you know, 10 American lives being lost every year is far more important than saving the millions of others who desperately Mm -hmm. need it? I don't think that you have a case for national
0: security. I I do see where you're coming from. I I can get on board with all of that, that the first week of Trump's campaign, the the, the focus shouldn't have been banning seven countries from immigrating to the U.S. or even visiting the U.S. It was a travel ban, too. Now, tomorrow, we're going to do the same sort of podcast, but we're we're, going to focus more on solutions. We've complained a lot here. (laughs) Uh, We're going to focus on some solutions tomorrow. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you guys want to catch up with any with us on any social media, uh, the link's in the description down below if you want to go follow Christian. I think it's at Seagons908. Yes. Okay. And uh, Opinion Overhaul, you just look that up on any Google search engine or SoundCloud, YouTube, whatever. You'll find it. Thanks, you guys, for watching. Thanks, Christian, for joining us Thank today. You. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and see you guys tomorrow.
1: Bye.